Welcome back to The Short Game. This is a show about short video games, games that respect your time. I'm Reagan Kelly, and I'm joined by all my awesome co-hosts, Laura Nash. How are you doing, Laura? Spectacular. And my bro host, Shane Kelly. How are you doing, Shane? I am both sexy and brutal. <laughs> Aren't we all this week? And of course, Nate Heininger. How are you doing, Nate? Uh, never leaving my house. This game has finally convinced me. It's pushed me over the edge. Too spooky for me. Yep. This week we're talking about The Sexy Brutal, uh, and I hope I'm pronouncing that right. I'm pretty sure that I am. These developers are very British, um, and it ends in an E, so uh, Brutal. <laughs> Don't expect us to look things like this up. Brutale. <laughs> yeah. Definitely not. Brutal. I think that's like my favorite title for a video game in a while, and I can't really put my finger on why. I don't want to admit to myself that it's literally just because I like the word sexy. It might be, and that's okay. I mean, it's a good, uh, it's a good video game name. It just and I like brutal as well. It's just, it sounds yeah, so... it, it feels out. classy. You know, it does. Yeah. It, it's, and also, and, and also, the video game with a with a name like this, it is uh surprise pl- a pleasant surprise how not horny it was <laughs> i know i know no yeah. it was definitely not pervy kinky or anything that's actually a great point because i would say every other game in existence that has the word sexy in it is a straight up like sex game so Nate, uh, this is 2017 all games are horny <laughs> i mean breath of the wild is 90 percent people feeling up a fish man and i haven't even played the game that's just my impression from Tumblr. Uh, let's pl- let's play some Overwatch later if we want to play some horny games. In yeah. the Zelda, uh, like eighty percent of the characters that you meet are just so ready to get down. Super with Link. thirsty. They yeah. want Link so hard. Whereas the sexy brutal is a refreshingly non-horny take on on video games. <laughs> yeah, that's that's honestly that's what drew me to the game in the first place. Was uh, it's a game complete asexuality. That's, <laughs> Sexy, but not sexy. Um, sexy, but actually, brutal. what grew to me to the game uh, is the concept, and so I will share that with our listeners now, so they know what the fuck we're talking about. Fine, if you insist, friend. Shane. Go on. The Sexy Brutal is an adventure game that's brought to us by a uh, a group of developers called Tequila Works that are located in Spain, um, and it's got a bunch of former Blizzard Entertainment employees. Uh, they've brought a couple of this is this is their uh, second game. Uh, their first was from 2012 called Deadlight. Did anybody play that one? No, mm-hmm. no. I I didn't either. It's kind of a Side scrolling oh, Prince of Persia ish yeah, game, this. I guess. Yeah, I uh it was their debut, and they have another game coming out pretty much next week that's an adventure platformer. And that one's coming to uh, that's called Rhyme, and uh, I haven't learned that much about that one yet. It looks like a kind of a Zelda like type game. Yeah, I have that one pre ordered uh, for the Switch right now, actually. It looks pretty cool. Um it's kind of kind of a Zelda like, but it's much it seems a little more traditionally Zelda y than Breath of the Wild is. Um, you know, more like divided up into zones, not an open world, and it's more puzzle oriented. But uh, I, I pre ordered it mostly just because there's not that many interesting games to play on the Switch right now and it <laughs> looks really pretty. Um, so I don't know. I'm going to yeah. be checking that out soon, and I'll, I'll let you know. But uh, apart from that, the Sexy Brutal is a classic adventure game in the uh, kind of top-down isometric style, and it takes place in a never-ending masked ball in a uh, hotel casino slash casino slash mansion called the Sexy Brutal, and it's and a uh, the kind of a adventure puzzle game where you I guess it's kind of a cross between a monkey island and a Majora's Mask (laughs) yeah yeah that's the pitch that I got from everything that I saw about the sexy brutal is like hey it's a adventure sort of murder mystery that plays like Groundhog Day uh, you're constantly resetting a single day. Well, and it's also the second game in a row that we've done now that involves you 
peeping through peek holes into, or peeking through peepholes into spooky bedrooms. So voyeurism, but not sex. <laughs> it's so hot right Again. now. Edith Finch, yeah. We've got Edith Finch in now this game. Peek holes are so hot right now. Absolutely. In so in this game, you play um, Lefcardio, Lefcadio, which is a I, almost impronounceable name for me, Lafcadio Boone. Uh, who is a priest uh, who was inexplicably invited to a place called the Sexy Brutal. And in this hotel, uh, during this one day, uh, which starts off at noon and goes through to midnight, every host in the mansion kills every guest. Methodically, all of them working together and slaying them all one at a time. And so you begin the game uh, by rescuing... Uh, one character called... Uh, does anyone remember that guy's name? It'd be Reginald Sixpence, because this game is British AF. Oh, man. <laughs> British AF. Oh, uh, I forgot about the masks. Uh, can somebody explain the whole masks concept? Yes. So you are wearing this creepy mask with a red handprint on your face, and you realize everybody is wearing a masked guest. It's kind of a... Masquerade. I don't know if you played seven. It's a masquerade. I don't know if you played seventh guest, but there's echoes of it here. But that's super, super hard. Oh yeah. Um, but you're wearing masks. Everyone's masked of this thing. And then when someone is rescued, they took off the mask and you gain their powers. The first person you get to meet is Reginald Sixpence, who is um, the genius clockmaker. A genius clockmaker. He repairs all the clocks in the mansion. I guess he gets to go to the party even though he's staff. A lot of people here <laughs> seem to be staff members who are going to the party. I guess that's why they're yeah, wearing it's masks. A party for themselves. They're all uh, also friends of the Marquis, who is uh, mysteriously absent from his own party. Ooh. And before we um, kind of jump into what happens to poor uh, Sixpence and how Lafcadio may save him, I think we should talk a little bit more about the art style of this game. Yeah, um, oh, paint I agree. The, paint the picture a little bit more, because this game, that, to me, there's a lot of cool things about this game, but uh, the art style and the music, which we'll talk about after, are two things that stick out. I want to talk a little bit first about something about this game that we said already that this game is like British AF, um, and that extends to every like, nook and cranny of its, its design has this sort of very elaborate, uh, I don't know what you call this sort of aesthetic, but this sort of opulent casino from the past kind of aesthetic. But the first thing that jumped out at, at, about this game to me... Kind of a kind of a clock punk type of aesthetic. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's a great... Just to, for future reference, if you ever want to describe an aesthetic, just take one of the nouns involved and then just add punk. <laughs> Absolutely. It's sexy punk. Um, this... The thing that really jumped out at me immediately upon booting up the game that I wasn't expecting from some of its, uh, I mean, I'd seen some screenshots, but I mean, I, I wasn't, uh, I was still a little bit surprised to see that the game is entirely in a top-down kind of cutout isometric perspective, and that is a very, very British thing. So I don't want to go on like a whole retro games angle on this here, but oh, please do. That's why we, that's why we ask you on this show. That's why I've I continue to invite you back on on my podcast into your <laughs> mansion. Uh, so British retro British video games had a very different sort of uh, early era than we did over here. Like the NES was the thing in the US and all of the games from that era are for the most part side scrollers or top down and those are the perspectives that we're most familiar with but over in the UK they didn't really get the NES until much later and the UK the most popular video game systems at the time were things like the ZX excuse me ZX Spectrum so these like 8-bit computers from that same era and you know these were games that were distributed on cassette tapes and that sort of thing and most of the most popular games on those systems, a huge number of them were this isometric top-down perspective. So if you look at things like Manic Miner or um, what's-his-name Willy or um, there's tons of them. But lots and lots of these games were this top-down isometric perspective that we didn't see a lot in American games until much later, like CRPGs and things like that. To be perfectly honest, I usually hate isometric perspectives in games because if you try to do like uh, tight platforming in isometric perspectives I almost always end up hitting the wrong direction and jumping off of a, of a, of a cliff but what's mm -hmm. really great here it's a perfect use of this is that that perspective gives you this really cool sort of like doll's house view into the rooms of this mansion 
it really you're so you're you're on you're on the money absolutely with the, the kind of doll's house, and I I think it's worth calling out that the probably the best part of this game is the character design. Yeah, the the character design and the setting. The setting is really really lush and cool. So looking down into these rooms, you know, you get this beautiful little cutout of these individually carefully decorated rooms and each room is exactly one screen and you can move from screen to screen, room to room through various doors and tunnels and things like that. And, and it's it's black around the room. You're like when you're in a room it's like a floating room, right? It it's not the it doesn't take up the whole map. It just takes up the middle of your screen. But it's lovely because since it's this doll's house perspective and since you're kind of seeing a room at the time and a one-story room feels immensely different from a two-story room and the characters in it really, really stand out. I mean, there's one character who is 90% hair. <laughs> like, you just see this hair going all the way down to the floor as, they, as she walks. And it's amazing to see her against these, you know, lush, dark paneling because I wouldn't say it's... It's not unrealistic, it's not cartoony, but they've exaggerated things, and it's really great to have this super hyper-detailed, like, it's like a a rich person with um, a little bit of class, but also a ton of money. It feels very, it's not like a Vegas tackiness. It's got, like, the opening of the casino is one of my favorite things in the whole thing. It's just opulent, and there's crazy statues, and it feels like the best kind of adventure game entrance and then you get to see a character walk in and it feels like they belong in that room and it's so cool to see the match I've seen mismatches in so many games where the setting is done by one team the characters are done by another and they don't seem to be in the same universe not the case here I love no wall goes uncovered in bookshelf or painting or statue I mean it is just everywhere is covered with stuff to look at and often the majority of it is uh interactable is not the right word but you can go up to and maybe there'll be a little paragraph about inspect what, yeah yeah inspect that's the right way to, to uh, put it and it'll actually give you like text about what that is and you know why you're looking at it i think that is actually brings me to one of my favorite things about the game which is the writing the, the the game actually has a, a a great deal of text in it, like like which is which is true of many of adventure games, and it really serves to give you a good feeling about the world and about the characters. Every space kind of feels a little bit lived in, uh, but I feel like the best writing is the writing between the characters, the dialogue. Uh, you get to to watch so many of these scenes play out, and by the time you get through the game you know everything that's going on from like the beginning of the day to the end of the day uh, in this in this mansion who meets up with who how everyone gets killed what the uh, the staff who are the actual murderers what they do you get to hear them talking amongst themselves and discussing their villainous plans and I feel like the best writing in the game or some of the best writing is actually right there from the villains. Oh, they're it's great. It's so much fun to watch them. And I should mention kind of their their character design, which is kind of omnipresent. Each of them is representing uh, a card in a deck of playing cards. They're the full house staff. Oh, yes. I didn't pick oh. up on that. Yeah. Oh. They're exquisitely dressed uh, in like uh, black tie, uh, but they're all wearing full mask gas masks with a playing card, uh, you know, suit and number uh, embossed on it. So each one of them is unique, uh, but they're all in, in, in this sort of matching garb. And they're all identical, but sometimes they have little personalities. For example, there's this one little pair of them that participated in one of the murders that, and you can follow them through the whole day if you want, and they just walk around the house having a little conversation between the two of them uh, that have this, like, very weird style of speaking to each other. They just, like, make these little very short declarative, like, but the button, he'll find it. No, he won't. You know, it, and it, it's hard for me to imitate because it's it's more of a writing style than... You whatever. nailed it. it. It's very, it's very like, odd and kind of funny because, like, it, you they have this, like, little relationship with each other. And then occasionally, if you follow them around, which I did because they were funny, uh, they... Uh, some of the other staff will come in and talk to them and be like, "Ugh, I can't stand you guys. Why do you always talk so weird? Um, <laughs> and I think it's uh, a cool thing to point out too. You know, I kind of made the joke about looking through uh, peepholes earlier. 
Uh, you know, we've been saying we're following these guests and these uh, servants all around the building. You are, but you actually can't be in the same room as them, or at least not visible to them, or else uh, they turn into a scary fire monster, and <laughs> you have to get out of the room, and it's kind of a timer. If you can't get out of the room in time, then bad things happen. Yeah, you know, we didn't really we didn't really talk about this, but there's... Elements of a stealth If game. it wasn't already sort of obvious from the weird mask stuff, this game has like a real heavy layer of like something supernatural or otherworldly or weird is going on here. So obviously, you can rewind time. Well, yes, there's that. That's a start. Yeah, that's a start. But like, there's there's so much weirdness that goes unexplained, at least at first, in this yeah. game. That that is really something that draws you into it. So you know, why is Lafcadio here the only one who seems to be able to tell that the day is resetting again and again? Who is this horrifying, bloody woman that that? emerges out of the floor to speak to you every now and then and give you cryptic hints. Why is everyone wearing these masks and don't seem to be aware that they're wearing these odd masks? I mean, it becomes obvious mm-hmm. that, like, the yeah, staff... Yeah, the bloody woman at the at the very beginning of the game uh, warns you not to remove your mask, and you keep it on through that throughout the game. And things get weirder and weirder, and I, I don't want to spoil any of the, like, fun surprises, but, like, there are things happening in this mansion that are completely, like counter reality very heightened very yeah. weird uh and it's it becomes a little bit like am i a ghost am i not and what you were saying nate about the the like mechanic of not being able to to stay in the room with folks that's obviously like a really just it's a simple way to gameplay wise kind of explain away the fact that you can't walk into these rooms and just like stop the murders from happening <laughs> you hey Hey, stop put, hey, put down that gun. Hey, look out. There's poison in that. <laughs> yeah. Don't but, drink like, that. It's uh it is really it, it also is it just sort of adds to that high weirdness factor cuz if you yeah. do walk into the room with somebody, it doesn't like instantly end the game. You're not like discovered like in a stealth game. Um it just wh- what whoever is in that room stops talking to each other, stops yeah, time around. stops. The, your clock like starts to even shake and and and, and stuff. And, Very unsettling uh, sound starts playing. They turn into kind of a headless flame monster that starts coming towards you until you it, GTFO. It's just a man. You are killing it with the uh, abbreviations on this episode. Um, <laughs> hey, the, I, uh, <laughs> I, I I told someone today that a client was being really extra, and I was like, "Sorry, I, I I've been working too hard today. I can't talk like an adult anymore." <laughs> uh, that's okay. That's why we have a podcast. Hey. Um, so, uh, it, it's a really good example of letting a, the story like dictate the me- mechanics, I guess, or like not just like yeah, like oops, you failed, and it just like you know, it's actually there's like a reason why you don't go in these rooms, not just because it fails the mission. Yeah, but it's also a really cool hinting system because you can walk towards a door and it starts like flaming orange at you and that's how you know someone's there worth spying on like you could just go through any door that's normal but sometimes the door is kind of you walk toward it and you kind of set yourself on fire a little bit and it's supposed to be like you're not supposed to go in the room but it tells you to look through it and watch what's happening Mm -hmm. in the next room so it's really cool that they made it like a deterrent into a hint system what i really like about that in particular is the the way that these scenes in the room when you do kind of peer through the keyholes or what have you just uh continue to play out that you know you can reset them at any time you can reset back to the beginning of the day but these scenes just play out in front of you and this is something that's like really i don't think i've seen this quite in an adventure game before and it really helps keep me interested you know, I, I'm at a point right now where I haven't played an adventure game that I've really gotten into in a while, and I'm starting to have this feeling like maybe maybe I'm kind of tired of that genre, because a lot of the times there's really funny and interesting writing or maybe occasional clever puzzles, but if you're not if you if you're not moving the action forward in most adventure games, nothing is happening. You know, adventure games are a bunch of people waiting around for you to do or say things. Yes. That's a really good point. 
And in this game, that's not the way this works. You can just let the day play out beginning to end. You can wander around looking through keyholes and try and find things happening. When you do find something happening, you have to spend some effort trying to figure out, okay, I know that at this time of day, and we should talk about the map as well, by the way. Yeah. The, at this time of day, this character is in this room. But I wonder where they were an hour or two before that. I wonder where they're going next. And can I follow them without, you know, interrupting, without getting in the way, getting into, you know, the same room that they are? Can I, you know, can I go over here and try and get into a closet where I can look out when they come into that room in a few minutes? It's all about trying to piece together the timeline. But also that timeline is moving. Things are happening. And so sometimes you just want to watch a scene and you can do that. You know, you brought up the map. Um, that, I've got to say, is one of my absolute favorite elements of this game. Um, the map has an integrated timeline. And any character, um, guest or host, that you Easy. see and observe is added to your map for that period of time. And the map, you know, is it starts off, you know, completely blank. And, of course, it fills in as you go. And the usability on this map, I thought, was extremely good. Yeah, um, you can zoom in and out. You can pan around. Like the the, the basics there are all are all covered. Uh, the graphics for the map, you know, every room has its own image that is very clear, like what you're looking at, um, and the ability to rewind within the map. Although you can't rewind and fast forward freely in the world, you can just reset the day. Uh, you can rewind and fast forward the map very clearly. So you'll have t moments where you're trying to figure out, okay, I'm pretty sure this host is the one that kills this guest, but I don't know, in order to save them, you know, where they start the day, because by the time I've seen them, you know, the, the fatal events are already set into motion. So uh, you, you might find yourself looking back and seeing, okay, I, I only know where this host shows up at like 4 p.m., but something has to happen earlier than that. So I, I know they're here. I'm going to reset the day and run to where I know they wind up and see if I can backtrack to see where they came from. And that, to me, that kind of gameplay is what really sells the Groundhog Day-esque um, you know, puzzle mechanics that this game is built around. And it's all really enabled by having a good map. Yeah, yeah I was really nervous at the beginning, and I had a lot of trouble early in the game because I was missing the uh, small Zelda-style orientation map in the corner that tells you where you are. Hmm. But I realized that the reason they're not doing that is because the map contains so much other information that they want you to keep looking back because it's going to keep getting better and better with more information as you go. Not only the people, but other things you unlock. So having a tiny a map just so you remember where the doors are isn't actually the best thing. Like, I found myself talking back just to check the map quite frequently, and mm -hmm. it got used to it. If you have no sense of direction like I do, you're going to get really lost in the first couple levels because you haven't quite figured out how to map isometric. And that's okay. Just... Don't be afraid to keep checking the map because you're going to be pleasantly surprised that you learn more stuff. Yeah, sometimes I'd be like, okay, I need to – I'd go to the map and I'd be like, I need to take the door on the left. And then I'll like unpause to big back in the world. I'm like, wait, but it's at a diagonal. Exactly. Which I kept doing that. <laughs> Which I one's the so door on the left? This is why isometric design is a uh, is a is a uh, evolutionary dead end, Brits. Get it? Get with it. You and your Zaxons and your Cuberts <laughs> and your Buckingham Palaces. A great isometric game that we've done already that actually reminded me, I had lots of similarities actually, uh, I thought was Overcooked. Um, oh. Now, well, that's more, not, um, that's more like, that's that's still a like a front view. Like, yeah. it's, it's not a really isometric, but it's... It's a tilt. Is there it's a still a tilt, and it's still running around with like little big-headed characters, and I, I just... It, it felt like I was controlling the same game. Obviously, 
totally different gameplay. God, I wish I could run as fast as you can in Overcooked sometimes in in this game. That's one of my complaints about this game is I I wish Lufcadio had a run button. And also that his footsteps weren't so loud. He's just clomping all over the place. Um... (laughs) And all, talking about like the the map too, um, one thing that is another thing that's awesome about this game is how alive the house feels. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. most of the people that die are dying from some event. Uh, won't really spoil them, but often a loud event is killing these people, and so you're hearing them all throughout the house the entire time you're playing and you have no idea what these noises are i think we can to... safely talk about the very first murder um with, before before going to a spoiler break yeah so there's a gunshot yeah i'd like to uh I, i'd like to talk people through that I, th- I thought it was a really great uh introductory puzzle as far as Excellent those go tutorial. yeah very mm-hmm. good tutorial. yeah so you you start off in this small area of the mansion uh that's all around the chapel and your character is clearly a priest uh, by his his robes. He's got uh, you know crucifixes on his shoulders and whatnot. And um, basically, the first thing that happens when you start the day is that early on in this day, um, Reginald Sixpence gets blown away with a rifle by one of the uh, one of the guests. And hosts. you know you can't, huh? One of the hosts. Thank you. So you can't really be in the same room uh, while this happens. So you pretty quickly get an introduction from this bloodied woman who kind of rises up from a pool of blood and tells you, um, you know, the gist of how this game is going to work. Uh, Save the hosts. Save the guests from the hosts. Um, All the hosts are murderers. All the guests are victims, which I, I thought was actually really good to... Uh, keep things clear right at the start. Mm-hmm. You're not worried about who's who's the good guy or the bad guy. The baddies are the guys in the creepy masks. The goodies are the guys in the nice masks. Yeah, that's something. It's not a murder mystery exactly, is it? You know, I kind of <laughs> no. expected a murder mystery. And it's really more of a, like a murder puzzle, which is different. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so you're at the start, you're pretty limited in where you can go. And you're also limited in how much time... Uh, you have access to because the day itself will automatically reset at I think like four o'clock, which is about four minutes after the start of the game, because every hour is about a minute. Um, yeah. And while right. I, while I have this on, at the at the front of my mind, when you do get to the end of the day, it's super creepy uh, because yeah. it starts to rain blood. I love that. It's so um, and so yeah, it starts to rain blood, and then the day resets, and and you know you're. You're, you're back at whatever whatever clock you happen to start the day at. And um, you explore around and you search and you, you realize, okay, well, here's the guy that, uh, that killed Reginald. Uh, where did he get this gun from? Uh, and if you follow Reginald, you find him exploring around. You see him rooting through a safe um, and you find a blank cartridge that rolls out of that safe. And, well, what do you know? You can find the gun by, by backtracking and tracing uh, his murderer and find the gun where it was hanging on a wall before the murderer gets to it. You can put the blank cartridge in the gun, and you've saved Reginald. Or, if you're me, and you are have Grim Fandango and much more elaborate adventure games in your head, you're going to spend 20 minutes trying to find something to smash that revolver out of the case. Because you think that the reason you can't pick up that gun is because it's stuck. And so you're going to try to smash it out using the sword and everything on the wall that you can talk to, you think you can touch. So don't overthink this game. It's not as hard as the old adventure games are. (laughs) And I thought it was, and I made the puzzles so much harder than they needed to be, thinking it was Rube Goldberg-y, where I needed to do 20 things to solve every case. It's not that hard. It's almost always pick up this item and take it to this place. The tutorial is really emblematic. Like, it really is as easy as following the clues sometimes. I mean, there's you have to think and you have to figure it out, and there's aha moments, but it's not a 60-step puzzle. Yeah, basically every object you can pick up is the solution to one of the puzzles. Right. 
It might not be the current puzzle you're on, but it's a solution. So Laura, what you what you just said is a really good point and kind of leads into what I would say is my main complaint about this game. Now, I really enjoyed this game. I was surprised how much I enjoyed it. So I definitely recommend it. But one thing that I kind of was expecting and didn't get is I was expecting, okay, you know, we're going to reset the day. And okay, taking the example of the murder of Reginald Sixpence, right? Um, you put this blank cartridge into the gun and then immediately you have, quote unquote, completed it. You see a big white flash of light. You see how things played out and you get an ending scene where Reginald is saved and he moves on and gives you his mask of power or whatever. So, but my, at the time I, I just thought like, okay, that was really simple. That's one action. You know, you do one thing, you do one small change in the world and it saves Reginald's life. And I was expecting the the uh, the puzzles to get more and more complex, but even the more advanced ones, they, it, it becomes a little harder to figure out exactly what to do, but it always kind of boils down to you do one thing and that saves their life. Or four or five. Yeah, like one one action that takes multiple steps. Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, there were some yeah. things where you have to like you know, collect a few things and then what you put all those things together and do one thing with it and that saves their life. I was kind of hoping for something a little more. I mean, I don't expect like like a full AI driven house simulation or anything, but I was kind of thinking like, you know, if I maybe go and take that gun off of the wall, well, then maybe the host has to strangle him instead. You know, maybe I uh, try to take the gun and shoot the host. There's not multiple paths here. You know, you don't have a lot of options. Each one of these puzzles has one very specific way to solve it. Um, and sometimes they're not super obvious. They're all clever and fun, but I was kind of, I was kind of hoping for like more complex timeline stuff, more complex puzzles that play with the timelines or, you know. Well, here's the thing, Reagan. So I, I kind of agree with you, but I also kind of disagree because the way you solve these puzzles is not the traditional adventure game, um, find all the objects you can and then try every key in every keyhole. Mm -hmm. The way you solve these puzzles is by learning everything that happens in the house. True. So the solution to the puzzle, even in this first one, is not find the bullet, uh, find the blank bullet and put it in the gun. The solution to this puzzle is learn what happens uh, throughout the entire course of the day learn where reginald moves and goes and then incidentally you get that bullet mm -hmm. uh, following reginald you learn a little bit about him and, and so the the way in which they have these set up uh really forces you to watch all of these i think well-written scenes play out and follow the action around the mansion uh sometimes backtracking a little bit or sometimes resetting, but not even really that often once you've figured out where somebody starts off resetting that much. It's about listening and watching and paying attention mm -hmm. and uh, and figuring out a story that, you know, plays out uh, sometimes for you from the middle when you first pick it up and then, and then trying to piece together what yeah. happens from the beginning. So that I think is the yeah. Way. I think it's just an expectation issue. I, I think that if you are expecting, um, I actually was delaying because I was kind of, I was I've been very tired and trying to catch up, <laughs> um, and I I delayed starting this game because I thought it was going to be the really kind of heady intellectual like Hadean lands like very complicated puzzle game. Oh, but you should have realized I recommended it. <laughs> <laughs> and Reagan beat it. I so beat it. it so it can't be that hard, right? It's a puzzle game I that know. I was able to complete. That I give it all praise for that. I am I, I'm constantly stymied by I, I did not expect to be able to finish it, but I did. And it was I, not the bad. No, but I seriously like I, I love it even though like I, I just think you need to have the expectation that that's not what you're getting because at the beginning I was kind of like and then I was like oh man I can the game is much more in the eavesdropping and the hanging out and the like literally walking through a door and having no idea what's on the other side because it's probably going to be something super weird. Like, yeah. that was what made this game. It wasn't necessarily like, oh, man, I'm I'm going to be, like, solving the most intricate puzzles that are going to make me feel like a genius. It's like, oh, man, I'm going to get to see the yeah. weirdest death, and then 
so, uh, stop it in a really weird way too. Yeah. Yeah, I get. I'm kind of in the middle on it too because I I love you know it's a pu- it's puzzle light theme heavy you know fun heavy which is totally great and I do think it's an expectation thing but I also get a little bummed when they like set the stage so well for some really cool puzzles and then then you then that doesn't happen not that there are bad puzzles but like I would have really liked a a really cool like like Reagan was saying uh, actually the first one I thought they were setting it up that way where the guy says like oh if this doesn't work I'll have to use my second option and so I oh, was yeah he does here, say that I was getting ready mm-hmm. you know I was like okay I stopped the gun um, I, I know I've stopped the gun but I wonder what the second option is okay I'm gonna have to watch him like kill him with something else I'm gonna have to set up this yeah, like, you know, set yeah. up two or three things to block the murder. And then the second option is just a setup for a joke, you know, and that's fine. <laughs> I, I love a good joke, but um, I, I was kind of hoping that there would be uh, at least some complexity that rewarded, um, you know. While we're discussing ways this game might be improved or, or things that we would have liked to have seen, I'd like to say that while I loved the setting of this game and I loved the characters and I loved the stories, I did feel like things were a little bit too spread out. Hmm. Um, Every murder takes place in a physically separate area of this enormous mansion. And one of the things that I think is great about the, the, about this sort of idea of being able to reset the day and track people from room to room and follow them around um, is the idea that you know these things might be crossing paths and you might be you see one character who gets killed um while trying to save a different one and that didn't really play out um there's a lot of separation between uh, it's a very linear game you're you're gaining access to more and more of the mansion as you save each person because most of the powers that you're getting by saving each person and collecting their mask uh, is related to unlocking new parts of the mansion. And there's a lot of, in some some cases, literally, uh, invisible barriers that Mm -hmm. block your progress through the mansion. Um, When I first found a hallway that I couldn't go down because Lafcadio tries to walk through a door and just sort of recoils and it says, something invisible is blocking your path... (laughs) I would, my eyes kind of rolled. I was like, "Really? Something invisible is blocking my path." <laughs> um, I mean, it turns out that there is, in fact, a, a, a story justification for that, and that that is just another method of uh, kind of gating your progress. But your progress is very heavily gated in this game, and I, I wasn't crazy about that. Yeah, I gotta say, I would have I would have liked to be able to do these in a like in my own order at the very end of the game. Uh, it opens up the entire mansion to you and you can kind of stroll back through it and you know now that you've got all of your all of your various keys to unlock all the various doors essentially uh, you can you can stroll through it and kind of see any scene play out that you might have missed but I kind of wish they'd have done that maybe after like just a couple of the uh, of the first murders you know let let me go walk through the mansion and discover. Let me stumble upon these murders in whatever order I happen to stumble upon them. I think that would have been kind of a more fun way to approach it. Might have been a little harder to pull off, but I think it would have been a lot more interesting. Yeah, without spoiling anything, one of my favorite moments of playing, and I haven't finished, was um, I knew I was supposed to be preventing a death, but I was more uh, concerned with finding a clock key because you have to kind of wine clocks for your save points. So mm, yeah. I was trying to find my like save point in the part of the mansion I was in before time ran out. So I wasn't even bothering with the murder at this point. I just was trying to find my like jump gate, my mailbox in Zelda, whatever you want to call it, like my, <laughs> my starting point. So I'm just wandering around an area of the house looking for it. And I literally just stumble onto this horrific dead body. <laughs> That I was supposed to have saved like three hours ago, and I was just oh, like, God. "Oh God, that's so <laughs> terrible." Sorry, so sorry. And I like walked around the dead body on this platform. It was like, "Ooh, that's really bad." And I just was like, "Gotta find that <laughs> clock." 
I guess this is where she ends up. Time to backtrack. I'll save you later. <laughs> I'll, I'll rewind time in like four minutes and go try to save you because your death looks real bad. Yeah, really, really they're bad. all pretty bad, but yeah, some of them. It, it, it's it's almost it's almost more interesting for me to like run across the dead body and then try and backtrack than it would be to like follow things straight from the beginning. I really enjoy that kind of aspect to it of like. You know, trying to piece together what happened by resetting the day and wandering furiously around the area, trying to trying to spot people and see what they're up to and, and you know, see what leads. There was to these one deaths. part where a dead body makes a cameo, like a, a future dead body makes a cameo in one of the early scenes, and I got really excited to find out how that person died. Lauren Ash getting excited about dead bodies. That's this game. <laughs> CSI sexy brutale. Oh, yeah. So I will say I did follow uh, the same one Laura's talking about, finding a pretty gruesome body. While most of the time I would stumble across the body, this one I actually, like, found her alive and followed her the whole way. And uh, it was actually Molly and I were both playing. You know, I was playing this, and she was sitting there with me. We're like, no, no, don't do it. Don't do it. Like, (laughs) watching the murder, like, watching how she dies. It was just, like, so dramatic. Like, it was significantly more... um, Traumatizing, br- brutal uh, than I was <laughs> expecting. Uh, so uh, it, it works both ways: either finding the dead body or being there to, to see how they're murdered or die. Right, the first time you find it can be equally um, impactful. Uh, and if we're ready to move on from this sort of subject, I want to make sure we hit something that uh, I absolutely loved about this game, and I want to get to it before we move on, which is. The soundtrack. Yes. So, Reagan, if you could right now, just to set the tone a little bit, uh, mm-hmm. plop into this podcast the main theme song of this game, because it gets it going right out of the gates. It's so good. So good. This is a really nice soundtrack. I couldn't find it uh, to purchase anywhere, um, but if you like this sort of like, uh, it's jazzy, if you like this sort of thing. If you watch Miss Fisher's Murder Mysteries, it reminds me of the theme song. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, totally. It's that same jaunty death music where there's someone dancing and there's bullets flying. That's Australian, so I guess it's not technically British, but... It's like ragtimey a little bit too. Yeah, kind of like Roaring Twenties, uh, fancy party kind of music. It's it's rad music, and it, it's uh, it's really well used throughout. And actually, not to spoil anything, we're gonna have a spoiler break here in just a second. But music is actually involved in a couple of really interesting scenes. There's, there's a couple of places where music is, is used to really good effect, either sung by the characters or sort of played uh, by phonographs in the world that factor into puzzles. It, it's uh, it's clear they were thinking about it. Yeah, there's a, uh, there's a there's a there's a scene in which uh, ghosts play a bunch of instruments, and the music in that <laughs> scene is pretty good. I forgot about that. Uh, that there's good. yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of really good use of music in this. There is it, there's a it kind of stuck out to me. Um, it was nice, but there is there's a song that someone sings, and they sing in like there's actually a, a woman singing in the song, the and only, it's the only and voice it's actress, a voice, a, yeah, and it's you know it's English, and they're singing a song, and it actually kind of stuck out to me because the entire rest of the game is all just text bubbles, so to have like a human voice in the game, I was like. When they started singing, I was expecting almost like a, I don't know, like Simoleon or something. Like, <laughs> like, not... a, like a Charlie Brown. Yeah, like yeah. just. Like... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's, and then it was actually like somebody with lyrics, and the lyrics kind of played into the to the scene, and it was all fine. Um, it just kind of stuck out to me. Yeah, and also uh, most of the, this is a very character-driven game. Most of the characters have a sort of a leitmotif or a theme that you hear in scenes involving them. Um, there's uh, like there's sort of scary music that's played at times, like when the 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 heads, the the masks are sort of chasing after you. It, it's a great soundtrack. Real quick before we wrap up. Um... 
let's give credit where credit's due. Shane, how did you hear about this game? Sure. Um, yeah, I, I, I had heard about this game from another podcast, from the uh, the fabulous podcast of the Besties. Um, and I just heard the basic, basically just the summary of what that first segment was like. And I was like, yeah, that game sounds like it's for me. I'll, I'll give that a check out. And I watched some, uh, some videos of the... Really, I just watched a teaser video that showed some of the character designs and and uh, gave a you know the basics of the concept, and I was like, oh yeah, yeah, that, that's my shit. <laughs> yeah, and you uh, drunkenly told me about it at a cocktail bar, and it was a great conversation. You're like, Laura, you got to play it. You got to murder, murder robots, murder robots hotel casino. And I was like, you got to Groundhog's Day. And I was like, you got to back it up. Like, I need more detail. It was wonderful. It was, yes. it was very charming. I'm really glad that you recommended it, Chain, because I probably wouldn't have. I, I didn't. I wasn't like. This definitely flew under my radar. I didn't. I did, didn't know this was out there. Um, I, I found out later that it had gotten really positive reviews on a few sites and from like YouTubers that I was, you know, that I'm a, I'm a fan of. But for some reason, it just sort of uh, I missed it. Um, well, it just came out. Yeah, uh, yeah, April twelfth. Yeah, eleventh. So. Very new. Yeah, very new. And uh, if you want to check this game out, it is a multi-platform release. It's on the PS4, the Xbox One, and on Steam. I play this on PS4, and it's pretty well suited to that. Um, I think it would probably work as well, if not better, on a computer, because I think this could work really well as a mouse-driven game. But the the PS4 controls are, are perfectly serviceable and fine. Um, any of you guys play this on a computer? No, but it's so low maintenance as far as controls go. Like, yeah, uh, you could play this with a trackpad if you wanted, and you'd probably be fine. So, I I wouldn't worry about that. Yeah, and it's I think twenty bucks on all of those platforms. Is that right, Shane? Yep. And uh, I would say expect it to take about six to eight hours to complete. Probably closer to the eight, maybe a little bit more than eight hours. Kind of uh, mark for me because uh, I like. I spent a little bit of time in the sort of conclusion of the game when the whole mansion is open to you, kind of just diving back in before I fully finished it out. Uh, you can kind of wander around the mansion and check out stuff that you might have missed. And there were some scenes that I hadn't seen play out in the first uh, time through that I kind of only vaguely knew were happening, but I knew that I needed to go back and check them out. Spent a little bit of time doing that. And I think... Uh, the in-game clock for me ended up saying something like 20 hours. I'm certain that was that was false because I, I left it on a couple of times. But if I had to guess, I'd say like eight or nine hours total. Yeah, if you wanted to, I'm sure you could just you know solve the puzzles pretty quickly and run through it. But that's not really the point of the game. So even if you see a solution to the puzzle really quickly, I'd kind of encourage you to pop around that section because you're not going to go back to it yeah. necessarily. And yeah, they don't take a lot one. of setup. Once you know the solution, uh, you know, a whole day in this game takes maybe 15 minutes or so, right? So, you know, once you know the solution, you takes can... Takes exactly 12 minutes. Ah, uh, yeah. You, you can get through the day. Occasionally, there's a little bit of waiting around. And you can even, like, speed up time in a couple of ways. You can just zap straight to 4 o'clock or to 8 o'clock uh, from noon. So you can skip stuff if you know that you just need to do something that's going to be at the end of the day. So it's... Uh, it's a pretty quick game to get through, and I really enjoyed it. I'm glad that you uh, had us play it, Shane. Awesome. I should definitely take credit for this game because I made it. <laughs> <laughs> I made it. Um, <laughs> so before we go to our spoiler break, uh, for those of you who won't be sticking around till after the spoiler break, we don't have a whole lot more to say. This won't probably be – you can look at your podcast clock and probably see that we've talked another hour after this. But uh, <laughs> I think it will probably be a short, short bit after the spoiler break. Um, but before we – do go to that. Uh, first off, uh, thank you for joining us on this episode of The Short Game. Um, uh, you can find our website at www.theshortgame.net where we have a contact form. We really like hearing from you and hearing your suggestions on short games to cover. Um, there's also an easy way from there or from iTunes to leave us a review. Leaving us a review on iTunes is the best way to support the show. We don't have a Patreon or any of that sort of thing at the moment. So uh, really, if you like the show and you like us and you want to do us a solid, go leave us a review on iTunes. It's really helpful. Um, our next episode uh, coming up next week is going to be an overview of some sort of the uh, winners of the Ludum Dare 
competition. This is something that a few folks have requested uh, as a episode topic, and uh, we finally figured out a proper way to cover it, and that is to bring in some help. So we're going to have a guest on. I'll <laughs> let her introduce herself uh, when she comes uh, on on the show next week. But we're going to have uh, a guest, and we're going to do our best to talk a little bit about Ludum Dare as a whole and some of the things that bubbled to the top of it this year. So it's going to be an interesting episode. Stay Which, tuned. if you don't know what that is, and I only kind of do, it is basically a game jam. It's a uh, indie game jam. Everybody gets together and makes great games and it's a competition similar to how we cover the interactive fiction championship why can't i remember what, what competition what's it what's it called if comp yes if comp <laughs> yes yeah sorry Lord, i was just letting we... you hang yourself and laughing <laughs> rather than you. helping you <laughs> it's uh i would i would expect nothing less um those end up being some of our favorite shows we get to play a bunch of games and talk about them. I'm assuming this will be similar. So yeah, Ludum Dare is a really long running competition. Uh, it's been running since like uh, 2002 or three or something like that. And uh, so it's it's been going many many years now. Uh, it always has a theme, and developers try to create a game in I think it's 48 hours. Uh, which is a challenge in and of itself to create almost anything playable within 48 hours. And yeah, why would you do that to lots yourself? Lots of people do. They they create these really clever, usually very small, interesting little game concepts or playable game ideas, uh, and they're really, really. It's a lot of the times, those sorts of top things from Ludum Dare spin off into full games later or have interesting ideas that you see in indie games sometimes uh, for many years afterwards. So it's a real hotbed of interesting new ideas. So this will be our first time covering it. Hopefully it'll be interesting to you. And um, I guess uh, this has been the short game. I'm uh, Reagan Kelly. You can find me on Twitter at Reagan K. That's R-A-Y-G-A-N-K. Oh, and the show's on Twitter at underscore short game. Uh, Nate, where can people find you? Find me on Twitter at Nate STL. Laura, where can people find you? You can also find me on Twitter at Laura J. Nash. And Shane, where can people find you? I'm at 8BitShane. And uh, here it is, your spoiler break. Big spiders. Oh my god, the freaking spider. Oh my god. So that puzzle is the one that really set the tone for me that this game is not going to be as tricky as I thought it was going to be. Yes, I spent so long spinning statues and doing all this extra stuff to try to like rig the card game i thought all the cards you were collecting had to do with something i was i made it so complicated and then literally i just did like i went to bed next day turned it back on looked at the map went oh i haven't been to that room walked in and was like oh this is how you control the cameras (laughs) turn on all you end up having to do is turn on one camera camera. well in order to get to that camera you have to observe uh, people going through doors, watching them through the peephole, seeing the code that they enter to get through the door, get through that door, and then collect a different code that allows you to get into that room. So it's really just a matter of learning the the layout and watching people and following them around. But the very act of following them and observing them is what gives you the keys that you need. Yeah, he accidentally solved it, though, because he found... He went to the room and got the CCTV code and didn't actually see. Uh, so this is the murder where there's two at the beginning, and yeah. and you're supposed to solve them both at the same time. And he thought he was only saving the card player, um, and so he was like, "Oh, I need to turn on the cameras, and maybe I'll catch him cheating because he said he had aces up his sleeve or something." So he thought he was like he was just turning. He turned on all three CCTV cameras. And then ran back into the monitoring room and turned it on because he thought he was going to, like, catch the guy cheating. And then he saw, like, he's like, what? There's a giant spider eating a girl. (laughs) And then, like, it ended. And he, like, never saw Trinity. So it is possible to accidentally skip stuff if you accidentally solve early. But you're right that some of that stuff was all observation. But it is possible to, like, miss things, which I found really fascinating. It's possible, but not too common. I think that happened for me one time. I accidentally skipped 
most of the death scene for Willow Blue, the one who uh, hangs herself in the clock tower, um, I, I I solved it. I wouldn't say exactly by accident. I knew that something happened in that room. So I kind of went in there and while she was sort of hanging out with the fish, I just sort of like was like randomly trying different stuff. And I, I solved the uh, the puzzle before I'd ever actually seen what happens in that room. And that was actually kind of frustrating because I really wanted to see that scene play out. But fortunately, later on, you do get that opportunity. Wait, so you saw you never got the hunger charm or any of that? No, no, no. I got the hunger charm. I think you have to get okay. that. Uh, you but, have to open the door. Yeah, but um, yeah, okay. I, I didn't get a chance to see, like, what would have happened if I'd gotten into that room and not saved her life, if that makes sense. So that was um, the one when I was talking before the spoiler break when I was like, I know I, – I was like, I'm pretty sure she's going to die in this room. It's a giant clock. There's a giant pit. I bet she gets shoved into the pit. So I, there's a cupboard in there um, that you can hide in. And so I was like, all right, I'm just going to sit in this room and wait till she dies because then I'll know what happens. And then she walks in and kills herself. And I was like, oh, yeah. we're both just like, oh, fuck. I did not want to watch that. <laughs> that was pretty was, brutal. That was me literally looking for a clock key and being like, oh, there's a girl hanging from a clock bell. That yeah, sucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Justin was next to me. He goes, yeah, this game gets dark. (laughs) (laughs) But what's funny about that particular death, although it is one of the darkest ones, it's also, once you learn the full story, probably the silliest, because the real story is that she killed herself because she was possessed by a voodoo fish. Right. Yes. It's got a little hat. It does have oh, a little like hat. like the Grimdark or something? No, it's ridiculous. Is, it's Grinmaw. No, Grinmaw. Yeah, Grinmaw. Yeah. That was that was ludicrous. But, I mean, you know, th- at that point, the whole the, the whole story is obviously... Ludafish? <laughs> oh. Oh, Yeah, I said that was Ludafisk. Oh. <laughs> well, that's one of the more complicated ones. But I think my favorite, um, my favorite puzzle in the game... And I think it was my favorite because it, it just involved a lot more space and a lot more just sort of like observation. And that's the thing I think it ties all of this together. 100% of these, you solve them through observation. You just have to watch. And once you once you have a full picture of everything that's happening, then the, the answers are blindingly obvious. But it's that observation that's really kind of the puzzle is like trying to figure out how to and where to observe. But um, the one that I thought was the most interesting to me was when you try to save – uh, Aram runes and Tha- Thanos Gareki, and that one, uh, that one, uh, Thanos. Oh no, I'm sorry, Aram. Aram is trying. Aram uh, has to go through the whole house and flip a bunch of switches on these little mechanical um, statues, and it's his job. Thanos tells him go through the whole house and and switch all these switches, and then they he has done this presumably, and they all get into, they both get into a elevator and get burned alive because he missed a switch or missed several switches or didn't do this right. And so I really enjoyed that one because you have to follow him through almost the entire mansion and see all of the switches that he switches. So you know, have to know where they all are. And then you have to snoop around the, uh, the hosts and try and figure out from them what they did to change the switches and what the switches actually ought to be set to because it's not what, they, what Aram thinks that they're supposed to be set to. He goes through the house and presumably does his job, although he screws it up a little bit. And he's he's doing the wrong thing. So he's halfway. He's just missing them. He's like he he doesn't get to all the switches that he even tells his friend he got to. Um, plus, uh, you have to go follow along behind him because he's setting the switches to the wrong things. And that was pretty complicated. And like when I was talking earlier about wanting some you know more involved or in depth uh, puzzles, this was the most satisfying one to me. It was also the most frustrating. So I think this was like right up to the line of like if they'd gone much further in this direction and made them really complicated, I, I probably would have ended up getting frustrated as I do with a lot of puzzle games. But this one was right on the right line for me. Yeah, I think they. What if they did a. Um like a DLC that was like a, like a whole new, like, oh, you didn't know there was a basement, did you? And then there's 
Just like a bunch of really tricky puzzles down there, just for those of us who want. There, there, Nate. I know you haven't finished the game, but there is there is a basement, and there are some tricky puzzles down there. Ah. Oh, they kept um, advertising like a full house version of this, and I was like, oh, there's DLC, and then it was like, oh no, it's a physical version of the game, <laughs> which is nice, but. I thought it was DLC. I actually would not mind uh, more of this style. I think this is a really good style. I think it could be expanded to, you know, new stories or new characters. Um, You know, the ending, which I I think even though we are post-spoiler break, just in case there's folks really like listening, I I think maybe we better not discuss the ending. And to be perfectly honest, and if you consider just my impressions of the ending to be a spoiler, then, you know, sorry. But um, the ending worked for me even though it was kind of easy to see coming and not particularly like i I don't i can't point to anything about the ending that i say like wow that was cool or good it just it was fine it was it was a decent ending i appreciated it and it worked i liked it quite a bit i thought the uh i thought the ending really worked for me it's uh it was in it, it was enough of a surprise to me that uh it really felt like it brought everything together um, it definitely feel, felt like it wrapped up the story of all the characters. Um, and it tells you more about the protagonist than you already knew. Uh, who the protagonist is probably the one character that you don't learn that much about. Uh, yeah, I, I felt like the, it had a really, really strong ending. Yeah, it was, it was pretty good. Yeah, I, I can't, I can't point to anything I didn't like about it. I wouldn't say that I like, like left the game feeling renewed or whatever but you know it was it it was fine it was a totally decent ending and i felt like also it was an ending that came at the right time this game was just the right length not too long not too short yeah absolutely yeah so you know the short says the cast of the short game (laughs) yeah Hmm. (laughs) justin was saying like he wished this was a 20 hour game that he could play in like bits and i was like i think he just wanted more of the game i don't think he necessarily wanted the part i think he just like liked being in those sections and wanted them to last a little longer. Yeah, while I agree that, um, you know, your point earlier that it was maybe a bit too spread out, I did like that, uh, it you know, for a short game, it was segmented too, so you could have a sense of accomplishment after solving a puzzle. And you, it's like a good stopping point. You know, none of them really take more than, I mean, at the most a half hour, 45 minutes, I felt like. Um so you finish one, and like okay, I'm good. That was fun. I'll play more tomorrow, or you know, whatever. You don't have to commit a long amount of time to to really feel like you've played a lot of the game. Something I want to talk about that I think is really, really well done about this game, and it goes back to how the game is really all about like observation and listening in on conversations and that sort of thing. Is that like there were a few times during this game that I got stuck, um, as will happen to Reagan Kelly in puzzle games. And the solution was 100% of the time, just follow every character you can and listen to everything they say. Uh, And write down, it it almost functions as a hint system for the game. Because if you Mm -hmm. see a murder and you're like, how the heck do I stop that? If you follow the murderer after they've committed the murder until they vanish, because eventually they kind of vanish into these little portals. If you follow them until they leave, they will almost always say something to another to themselves or to one of the other hosts that is a pretty good hint um in some cases that was really the only thing that that like helped me solve some of the more more difficult ones one hint system i guess uh that's in there that um i only really wound up using once but i thought was pretty clever is if you get kind of off track and you wind up saving someone who you have already saved it actually gives you a little short cutscene with the bloodied girl who goes in and tells you like, hey, here's what you should be doing. Yeah, yeah, that was actually really oh, clever. And that is, that's a really clever, like, um, uh, like clever approach because, you know, if you are totally lost in the game, that's probably something you would do. Go and save somebody's life that you've already saved because you can just do these things again and they're really quick to do once you know what to do. So that's a really, like, clever way to insert hints without making it obvious or trivial i i think that's Mm -hmm. really great one thing that i kind of i mean back to the idea of things i wish this game had done if you're gonna have a groundhog day style scenario you gotta let me have that moment where i save everybody where i figure out the fastest way through Uh, the mansion yeah and 
and, you know, put the bullet in the gun and then quickly jump over to this side of the mansion and, you know, switch up the drinks and then get over to this side of the mansion and then uh, lock this door or yeah, whatever. And do it all in one run. I was so pumped for that to happen. I totally thought that was going to be the big thing, particularly when another slight spoiler, when they reveal that little mirror system, the sort of fast travel. I was thought, oh, okay, this is how it's going to happen. This is this is the setup for the. I have to do this all again, and you know the the Bill Murray like uh, knows everyone in the diner and stops the waitress from dropping her drinks or whatever, and doing knows... the like final pass where you do everything in one go. Right, that yeah, exactly. I was so, I was so pumped for that. that. I was expecting it, and that doesn't happen exactly, and that was a little disappointing too. I was I was kind of pumped for that to be the end of the game. That's disappointing because it does seem pretty obvious, especially when you see. Uh, the body of the singer show up down in the through the vents or the garbage chute down into this down into the spider room god that was good molly and i were like okay so you're gonna have to save her and then you jump down the chute to get down to save the you know the woman who gets eaten by the spiders like that's it this is how they're setting it up yeah i really expected that i was kind of disappointed that that wasn't the conclusion the conclusion was good too but it was it was not that well um yeah this game totally defied my expectations though like i was expecting i was expecting um a much different game than what i ended up playing here but i'm i was really pleasantly surprised by it like it was a puzzle game that didn't frustrate or stymie me it was uh isometric perspective that didn't frustrate and kill me for no reason it was uh it was funny I just really, really liked this game, so I, I definitely recommend it. It's so charming. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, those the character designs in this alone, uh, for me, were worth the purchase price. The The masks all tell you something about the character. Um, the characters are well animated. They um, interact with each other in interesting ways. The you know they, they interact with their environment in an interesting way. It's just it's just great. It's the writing a, is it's solid throughout. Mm-hmm. And I I thought the you know the overall story, including the ending, was really strong. Well, guys, that is it for this episode of the short game. I hope you will join us next week uh, for as we mentioned the uh, Ludom Dare and. <laughs> Uh, that is, uh, that's a wrap, folks. 